0: Listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, an award winning automotive executive, and I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the most dynamic thought leaders the EV economy has to offer. Listen in on honest conversations I have with the leading electric vehicle experts and uncover critical insights that will help you jump ahead and stay there. The electrification race is officially on, and these conversations have never been more important. So whether you're an automotive executive or just an EV enthusiast, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Arun from Alex Partners, how are you this morning?
1: Doing great, Elena, and thanks for having me on the show. It's fantastic to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that you're here, and we have met at many a conferences over the years, and I'm so glad that you had the time to chat about EVs and electrification, because this is a, a topic that I know you're also very passionate about, yeah. and you have a wealth of knowledge in as well. So I would love for you to talk about your story.
1: I started in automotive, um, now I'm going to date myself. It's uh, 1997. Um, after graduate school, I uh, was very interested in working in automotive, so um, I, I was very really interested in working more on the virtual product design, really designing products uh, using computer models, mathematical models, so uh, I worked for this great company called Altair Engineering uh, back in the day, and uh, you know, they produced um, um, crash uh, NVH-type simulation software. And they also had a, a consulting um, arm which focused more on helping um, auto OEMs, you know, solve difficult problems, uh, also solve some, you know, as, as additional capacity, whether it's new type of an analysis that they haven't done it internally or even sometimes search capacity. So, um, you know, I did that for about, uh, I would say, s- uh, 10 years. And it was fantastic. I got to work on some of the coolest vehicles, I'd say, the Ford GT. Uh, back in 2003 or time timeframe, I believe. And, um, you know, we built um, the whole uh, brand new uh, magnesium instrument panel, um, which was a structural magnesium uh, instrument panel. First time it's ever done because when you run into a crash, um, the typically the forces are transferred to the, the longitudinal rails of the vehicle. There's a crash shown. But this one was more transferred into the uh, instrument panel that, that was connected to the to the body of the vehicle. So it's a unique design. We worked with Lear um, and obviously for Ford and it was a great uh, it, was a, it was a great outcome. I'm extremely proud of that uh, because I think that's an engineering marvel, in my opinion. And since then, there were more vehicles that came out, especially the high end vehicles uh, in Cadillac and others that came out with a similar uh, approach to lightweight magnesium for structural applications. And then after that, I, I went to an MBA, uh, got my master's uh, uh, MBA from the University of Chicago Booth, and I wanted to be in consulting. Uh, primarily, I like the challenge of different solving different problems, um, different situations. And so I got into uh, AT Kearney uh, in the Detroit office. Uh, they had a great team. Uh, still a lot of people that are in Alex came from AT Kearney as well. And, um, you know, ever since then, um, you know, worked on a lot of challenging problems, you know, especially as you talked about Elena, um, the last, I would say seven years or so, it's been fantastic because we coined this term case, which is connected, autonomous, electric and shared. And I got to work on autonomous and, and electric a lot, lot more uh, in the last seven, eight years. And then in the last three or, three or four years, it's been a lot about seeing the real transition Seeing how uh, OEMs are thinking about in um, you know, capital being deployed, how suppliers are thinking about in um, you know, how they transition from you know a predominantly uh, internal combustion engine to electrics, and then there's also the after sales and aftermarket, which I think is seeing a profound change. Um, the aftermarket a little less so because I think the vehicles uh, we need to have more vehicles uh, sold um, into the car park. So. So that's kind of been my journey, and and I'll tell you, it's it's been fantastic, you know, being in a lot of conferences with you and John and, you know, just hearing people's perspectives. I think this is a quote came from um, uh, Mark Fields, uh, the Ford uh, ex-CEO. The transformation that we have seen in the last five years is almost equal to the 100 years worth of transformation that we have seen in the last 100 years of automotive, right? That, to me, sums up the change, and it's very positive view going forward. because a lot of challenges, but I think the end state is going to be fantastic.
0: Absolutely. So. That's such a great quote. And it paints the picture so clearly of what is happening now. It's, you know, you you can't go a day without seeing some sort of a headline about yeah. EV or something having to do with EV. So very, very interesting times for sure. So I would love to talk about your Bloomberg piece. So you were recently featured in a uh, a pretty awesome documentary produced by Bloomberg talking about uh, the future of EV. We also had a little bit of the UA, <laughs> UAW strike in there, but um, depending upon when this episode airs, uh, you know, hopefully things are progressing there on that side, but really focusing your pieces on, you know, the future of EVs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, as you rightly pointed out, um, this transformation to EVs is going to have huge impact on how we design vehicles and, you know, what happens you know in the vehicles. I think the big crux of the matter is that, you know, EVs obviously are less complex from an architecture standpoint and, um, you don't have the engine transmission. Um, so that's going to require less labor hours to produce it. You know, our estimate, you know, we, we did back in 2018, uh, is that EVs would require 40% less labor hours to assemble a, a similar powertrain, which is an engine versus transmission compared to, compared that to a, uh, electric motor batteries. And, um, uh, and the gearbox that goes with the tra- to, to the uh, electric motor. So, I mean, that has got implications for the labor force, right? Because, you know, you, you, you see a lot of OEMs kind of trying to get control and becoming a bit more vertically integrated on some key components, um, especially with batteries and electric motors, right? Now, even if you do all of that and bring that into the OEM, it's still going to be, lot less um, number of people that's required to assemble an EV, uh, especially on the powertrain train side, right? So that becomes a concern for um, the UOW and you know anybody who actually has a decent living in this country uh, producing, uh, manufacturing, assembling vehicles, right? So that's kind of a big uh, factor that's driving a lot of the negotiations with the OEMs and, and UW to make sure that there's a bit more certainty that, you know, we're not uh, outsourcing more jobs to suppliers or, or, you know, we're trying to bring them back and that we're filling up these plants that uh, eventually will not have a, a engine or transmission produced, right? So you see, you know, three things that are going on. One, um, existing plants are being converted to um, EV, e-motors, electric motors, and, and battery plants. And then there's a other end of the spectrum where you're going to see some plants that are being will be eventually shut down because, you know, you just have excess um, uh, capacity there. You don't need it anymore, right? So I think that is kind of a big piece that, you know, as I talked about this to Bloomberg and some other experts too, is how is this going to play out? And then, you know, what's that uh, end state is going to look like? And I think that's anybody's guess at the moment, because as you mentioned earlier in the article, um, you know, the EV sales are slow right now, but I think longer term, you know, we're kind of ramping up into that S-curve. Uh, where you're going to see more sales as no, new models come about. Um, I, I still believe that the EV uh, growth is going to come because a lot of the forces that are coming in from new vehicle, uh, new product introductions, the infrastructure is getting better. Not there yet. And then the consumers are warming up to the idea that, hey, you know EVs are, are not as bad as I thought from a, a chargeability standpoint or being able to find Um, infrastructure, right? So I think those are the kind of things that there are still to be determined, but, you know, uh, the crux of the matter is really, what do you do with 40% less labor required to assemble an EV, right? That's kind of the big piece.
0: Anytime we're, we're talking about this large electric vehicle ecosystem, we also have to think about square one, which is the production, what's happening at the production level. So then also too... To the entirely other end of the spectrum, which is selling a vehicle, like, mm-hmm. and in a lot of people's minds, it's like nothing happens until you actually sell that car, you sell that vehicle, and it rolls off the the, the dealership lot. There, if you had your crystal ball, you know I'm going to ask you this question. If you had your crystal ball, uh, you know where do you see the inflection point might be, or maybe a a, a turning point for EV sales?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen the recent reports that uh, if you look at the EV sales, uh, by November of this year, we're going to hit the million uh, unit mark in uh, in the US, which I think is a big milestone in my opinion. Uh, so we are seeing growth. Um, and I think I, I look at this EVs as a bit of a longer term play, right? In the sense that it is not something that, that you track sales per month or, month or you, you track sales on a year over year basis. I think you have to kind of look at the longer term. Are we going in the right direction in the longer term? And I think the answer is in my opinion is yes. Um, and I think you know the state of, the state of the Union today is that yes there is some slowness on the EV sales and I think there's a lot of other factors too. Um, you know I think consumers are stretched in terms of being able to buy vehicles. Affordability is, is, is becoming uh, an issue. I think we've been talking about that for the last year or so. Um, you know, an average transaction price is at $45,000, $46,000, plus you've stretched out your payment terms to almost like 70 to 80 months on average, and interest rates going up, the, the, the real income is not significantly increasing for, for a big chunk of the population. Well, you know, it's going to push some, uh, and the other thing is also EV sales have been premier predominantly concentrated on the uh, prime, uh, subprime, uh, super prime segment, right? So you can only buy so many cars, and they're being watchful and thoughtful. Plus, I took a trip to Europe, and I'm sure that a lot of people are taking a trip to Europe and other places because they've been constrained by COVID. So, I mean, I think this is this is not a long-term problem. Because if it is a long-term problem, then we got a real problem with with you know the investment that we're putting in. But I mean, this is this is something that you're going to see that uh, driven lately by a lot of uncertainty in the in the uh, economy. I saw the good news today that uh, the economic growth was pretty strong. Which I think is good. Uh, again, 2022 was a little bit of lower base, but I mean, I think uh, longer term, I do see that uh, you know we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have this uh, like a stock market like oscillations, but eventually, you know, it is going up. And if you look at the penetration of EVs, you know, we're we're on the early adopter stage where you know people more and more people are knowing about EVs. They're seeing friends and families. You talk about selling the vehicle and the deal a lot. One of the, we did a, we did a survey last year. One of the prime reasons why people buy EVs is because my friend or a family member owns an EV and that's what drives everybody to go buy it. And I think, I don't think I've seen anybody talk about a, hey, you know, I, I want to wait because I'm not sure about the product. I think good products are coming out. So I think, I think longer term, I, I still see it's, it's more of a positive um, spin to it.
0: I love your perspective on that. And you're right. It is the uh not peer pressure aspect, but it is the the buy-in from the friends and family. I mean, that if you think about it, that is such a strong influence. I always love your optimism, Arun. I love, I love the fact that, you know, we're yes, we are in a little bit of a a conundrum at the moment, but I think you're right long term, uh, you know, we're gonna start to see some some pretty powerful numbers. So uh last question I have for you. Mm-hmm. What are you excited to work on in 2024?
1: What is exciting about this this EV transition uh, is that with the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, we see the supply chain fundamentally changing in North America. Right, you know you you have to build a supply chain in uh, North America all the way from mining ore, uh, whether it's lithium, or phosphate, or whatever you call it, and then process that capacity, and then you know, being able to, uh, you know, produce uh, discrete uh, cathode uh, active materials or anode or whatever that, that goes into the batteries, right? So I think that to me is very interesting because that's completely new. It's the last time we set up a supply chain, I would say, to this degree was probably in the, you know, the 70s and 60s, right? Because when we started looking at you know, how this is all should flow together. And I talked to a lot of um, suppliers that uh, are taking advantage of the uh, grants and, uh, come through the, the IRA, uh, not just um, the grants from uh, consumer side, but also the manufacturing credits and, and just grants, right? So to me, that's a very interesting aspect. And we are doing some work uh, with, with suppliers in that space. We also do a lot of work um, just kind of, uh, you know, how do you optimize and how do you improve um, the profitability of, uh, you know, uh, current EV products, you know, whether it's a supplier or uh, a joint venture or whatnot uh, with the OEMs. The last thing I would say is, um, you know, a lot of suppliers are figuring out how they transition uh, their product portfolio to EVs. And I think if you look at our our, our survey that we did last year, you know, third of them have a clear view that I want to exit some existing internal combustion engine products and and get out and replace that with the EV related products. And then there's another on the other end of the spectrum. you have got another third, or let's say thirty percent of them have no clue what they want to do, right? Either they are going to ride the EV um, or the ice wave and then just going to call it a day. Um, So those are the kind of things where you see two ends of the spectrum and kind of walking across that spectrum and being able to put some thoughtful um, answers and and ask the right questions so that they're like, wow, we didn't think about that. Maybe that's an opportunity we should get in and deploy capital. To me, those are fascinating things that we're working on in 2024, um, just specifically on the EV side.
0: Excellent. Well, we will definitely need to do an update episode in 2024 and get an update on all of those projects, because I know that you're going to have some really cool and exciting updates. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't give you a chance, Arun, to let folks know how they can reach out to you or how they can learn more about Alex Partners.
1: Yeah. So uh, just real quick on Alex Partners, you know, we are a global management for a consulting firm uh, automotive is uh, in the top three of all the largest practices. We have uh, representation in North America, Europe, and Asia. Uh, we have got close to 300, 400 consultants. You can go to alexpartners.com. You can search for our people, uh, myself. Just you know, uh, go to the people section. You can find all our experts in automotive. Um, and obviously, reach out to me um, at akumar at alexpartners.com as well.
0: Excellent. I will also put that in the show notes. So it is easily accessible. Arun, this has been a great conversation. Again, congratulations on the Bloomberg piece. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, yes, we have to do an episode now. This is perfect. So Arun, always great to see you and I will talk with you soon.
1: All right. Thanks, Elena. Great to see you as well. And a really good conversation, good questions and great conversation. Thank you
0: so much for listening to the evs for everyone podcast if you enjoyed this episode go ahead and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review with a comment we read every single comment so thank you in advance if you have an idea for an upcoming episode or you would like to be a guest on the show go to evs the number for everyone.com contact that's evs the number 4 everyone.com contact until next time keep charging forward